Sir, we're approaching a podcast. It's part of the Legion Academy Collective called Dice Time. That's it. Bob Swaim and Ben Jetrin are there. Uh, my lord, there are several Star Wars Legion podcasts. It, it could be any number- That is the one. Admiral, set your course for Dice Time. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dice Time. I'm Ben Jetrin. And I'm Bob Swaim. Just kidding. That was, that was me. Uh, well, welcome back to Dice Time. Uh, it's just me here today. We got a, we had a, we had a really risky job that Bob and I went on last. We, uh, went to pick up some Wampa Pelts from Hoth. And, uh, as we went in to go talk to the guy, Bob didn't read one of the doors. And just went straight in, and, and he went into the Wampa holding pen without reading the sign, and he he blasted it and knocked him down, and tore up his leg a bit, and he killed it. So we had to pay for the Wampa, and fourteen holes burned in it, and a bunch of back to for Bob. So Bob's he, Bob's Bob's in the healing uh in the, in the in the medical bay right now. So got to do the show without him right now. So it'll just be me, and. uh we got a, we got a good show lined up today and I'm going to give you a whole give you a whole rundown of what we got going on but first I got to drop off these wampa pelts to whoever this guy is. I've I've not met him but I was just told to meet him here and I'm going to go ahead and just drop this off and then we'll be ready to start. Oh, hey Paul. Well, hello. Are are you my buyer? I mean, there's never a bad time to move some wampa pelts, so I guess I am. I have no idea what that means as far as where this goes, but, you know, here you go. Thanks. Ignore ignore the one that has a bunch of holes burned in it. Ooh, I that actually for... like this one. Oh, okay, I think good. I might keep this for my private collection. <laughs> <laughs> well, how you doing, Paul? I'm I'm doing well. It's it's interesting. We just keep bumping into each other. Oh yeah, small galaxy. Well, uh, we've brought Paul Paul Watson back on the show for another for another uh, fill in for Bob, and we we've got a we've got a great topic that both of us are going to be very excited to talk to you about. Uh, Paul, we I want to briefly before we get into our main topic, I briefly want to touch on uh, we both went to. Uh, Atomic, Atomic Mass Games in Muncie, Indiana for our last, uh, in, in February for our last event. We, we played Skirmish yet again. Popular, popular game mode. We like to cycle through all the people that are coming now from all over. We're getting a bigger crowd, so we had a nice little, uh, uh, Speed Legion mix, uh, meet and greet event. Uh, yeah, I had a ton of fun. I, I do like the 500 point. The way we've been running the events, it, it gets you through more people. And like you said, we keep getting a pretty decent crowd from people coming all over. So it gives us an opportunity to play some more people in a day than it would if we were just playing a couple rounds of 800. Yeah, we had a we had we had a good group coming, and we had three. You, you know, in our skirmish events, you do three games, and it's pretty good. We I ran Han, Chewie, Wookies, Fleet Troopers. And then a couple of rebel troopers, and it was it was fun. We had some good stuff going. Um, one thing I have to point out: we had three Hans at this event. Han That's is a lot not of Hans. dead. Han yeah. is not dead. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I think I think we've talked about this a little bit. I think he's a little better in skirmish because that the range too, like for fleets, for Han, for those kinds of characters, isn't quite as punishing on a three by three. Right. Yeah, and that Pierce too is really good, <laughs> especially if you can get some open shots, can be really devastating for sure. Oh yeah. So it was, it, yeah, it was a blast. I met a bunch of people that we have that haven't been coming to the store before, and we we just. A lot of my games were just fast, loose, Wookiee action, Han Solo gunslinging. It was it was a great time. Yeah, I had I had a lot of fun in this event. I I tried to get Anakin to the table for the mm-hmm. for the first time for me. He was uh, a lot of fun actually. I enjoyed the little nuance that that character has. Um, he can definitely play a few different roles depending on what you need in your list. And so I brought uh, Anakin. I had uh, two Phase 1 Stormtrooper, or Stormtrooper, Clone Troopers. Um, uh, with, uh, phase five, 0 Stormtroopers. <laughs> phase 0 Stormtroopers, there we go. Um, one had one had fives in it, and one had a rocket launcher, and then I had two bark speeders, which I think, you know, people who've heard my name before know that I love my support. So I had one with one with a rocket launcher and one with the twin laser gun on it. And, um, yeah, I had a lot of fun. I, the two games, like, that I really uh, – all my games are fun. But one thing I found uh, very funny in my second round is – well, we've heard my list. So I got to play against an Imperial player who is playing – Almost an identical list to mine on the Empire side. Um, if he would have swapped his Bosque out for another group of speeder bikes, we would have had the, essentially the same list. He had Vader, Bosque, two Stormtrooper units, and a unit of speeder bikes. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that that was really funny just to sit across the table and be like, well, we're playing a mirror match from different eras in time. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, that remember, was a fun yeah. game. It was, it was very, very close. Very, very close game. Came down to the very last action on the very last turn. It was, it was good fun. So good. The, the game I that remember. I really want to mention though is my, my round three opponent. Um, his name is Adrian and he is actually from my local area up in Fort Wayne, but I've never played him before. I never, I've never played him or his dad up until that point. And take notes, take notes, everyone. You will fear, you will learn to fear this player. Adrian, I, and I apologize for those who know Adrian because I don't know his exact age. I want to say he's 10. I don't know, so I apologize if I'm way off, but he is a younger gentleman, and I will tell you, he is one of the best sportsmen I have ever seen in this game, and I will tell you, it was, our game was not pretty, everything during turn zero didn't, like, went opposite of what he wanted, he was running Grievous, and a bunch of B2 units, and a commando squad, and everything was not good for him, and so it just it just made it so I could really use the range advantage that I had on him and wiped out most of his army just with good rolls and the mm. the range advantage in the first couple of turns never never got upset, never had any issues with the game. you know he at one point he was just like man i just I just don't know what to do against it right now, and you know never well, he was high rolling up. Up to that game. Oh yeah, we were he, playing he, top he, table. We were playing. That was first. top table. <laughs> so, oh yeah, I mean, that's why I said he's, like you guys need to 
fear Adrian because like he he was laying down some hurt. I or I already blew up an AAT round one, and I was like, oh god, I don't want, I don't even want to fight this kid. <laughs> this oh yeah, he's gonna he's gonna tear me apart. He's he is very good, and he just <laughs> keeps getting better. I want to yep. say like three events ago was his first time he showed up down there in Muncie, and he got I don't know he went. Oh, and three, I think is what he told me and was towards the bottom of the pack. And here he is, you know, three events later. So like three months later and here he is playing for top table and he, yep. had, to go, he like, had to go through some good players to get there too. Yes, he did. So yeah, he's, I, he is a very good uh, player and he's only getting better. And with the people that he's playing against, he's learning a lot quickly. He is going to be dangerous for years to come. That is for sure. I played his dad round one. He was he he's the Wookiee guy. Yes, he is. Yeah. So he he brought Chewie. He brought Han Chewie. I kind of almost had a mirror match with this guy. He brought Han Chewie, a couple naked rebels, and then two like fully pa- like we were a mirror match. Except if he swapped out one of if I swapped out my fleet troopers for another unit of Wookies, that w- we would have had identical lists there. Uh, he had. Uh, two fully kitted units of Wookiees, and I was like, I am, he's going to do what I'm doing, but better. <laughs> That's what's yeah. about to happen. Yeah, and so for and those, he was really good. Oh, yeah, no, he is very good. And for people who don't know, his his name is Nick, and he Nick, is the, he's the guy that, um, there were pictures from LVO, I think the first year. Yep. Um, he converted his entire rebel army into Wookiees. So he has Wookiees with Z6s for his Rebel Trooper units. And then, you know, he has the normal Wookiee squads that he runs. He even has some um, of the Fluttercraft, Flutter, mm-hmm. I don't know what the name of those are off the top of my head. I'm, mix, I'm getting a mess up. Fluttercraft. Uh, yeah, Fluttercraft um, as proxies for T-47s. Um, yeah, he... He has it all decked out. It's all Wookiees all the time. So um, it's a really cool army if you get a chance and you're at an event with him or um, get a chance to look up some old pictures from, like, LVO and stuff. Definitely take a look at his army. It's really cool. Yeah, he just he, – he was – I was, I was like, I'm a bit of a conversion connoisseur myself, so would you like to walk me through, like, what you did here? And I'm just like – I mean, I can kind of <laughs> see, but I was just like, please – Feel free to walk me through what you did here. I'd love to hear about it. So he was telling yes. me like how he converted the guns and the arms and everything, and I was just like, genius. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's a very cool guy, very nice. Um, obviously, um, him and his son come to a lot of events, and they they do very well. Both of them, and they're both of them are a lot of fun to play games against. Um, you won't find a, a couple nicer guys for sure. And I played, uh, or I went, uh, I ended up, Paul, you ended up winning, didn't you? 3-0? I, I did, yes. Very nice. Like I said, with some, so with some close games, so there's some good, some good competition there. This, this now, round. I will be, I will be, uh, I will be in trouble if I, if I don't say this on behalf of Bob, because Bob, he, he sent me, he sent me a message from the medical bay, cause he, he, he uh, he, he said he wanted to point out, Paul won, but he beat a cripple and a kid to get to it. Oh, dirty Bob. <laughs> Why do you got to do me like that, Bob? 
No, I remember he said that that day because he was. I did. He went through, it was. I remember there was some. We were saying it that day. We were just like, man, Bob, or Paul's gonna win, but that's good. He, there was a there was a guy. I think he had a. He just had a cane with him. Like he wasn't like. It wasn't a big deal or anything, but we just but we just turned it into this whole thing. We we're just like, man, Paul's over here stepping on, <laughs> stepping on the disabled and the, and the <laughs> kids just to get his victory. Just those extra red dice are all all that matter. No, we're we're, we're playing. We have a good time in Muncie. <laughs> yeah, it's a good time, and uh, there's always really good prize support there. Um, Atomic oh, yeah. is is a very good store to go play at. They have a lot of space. He has a lot of a lot of product in stock. Um, oh yeah, I was even surprised. some older stuff. Like he we picked up some old stuff. Yeah, absolutely. He continues to hound his rep to make sure he's getting product in for us. And yeah, he does he does a really good job there and getting a lot of kits and giving good price support to people. He doesn't even he doesn't even hound his rep. He's just like best friends with his rep. <laughs> yeah, that's probably so we more always accurate. Get, we always get it good. <laughs> um. I went the I went the classic Ben uh one and two. Which is like what I go at every event I go to pretty much. Sounds about right. Except for the time I win everything. But besides that, I go one and two. That's my classic, so uh it was a good time. We had we had fun. Um well, I might as well might as well roll into uh just a quick little just a little quick little plug that we had here. Uh, you've heard you've heard of the Legion Academy, right? Right, Paul? Yeah, I think so. Maybe I've once or twice. Yeah, they've 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 moved over their live streams to Wednesday night now to accommodate for AMG's streams. Which, by the way, even smaller plug for AMG, they're doing an awesome job with these streams. I'm having a lot yeah. of fun when I'm able to tune in. I agree. I, I think they've done pretty well so far. I tuned into uh, my favorite, one of my favorite new shows called Painting with Schwick, uh, and he has been doing some he's been doing some fun stuff. He I I, I was really engaged with the uh, the Lando stream that he did, and I and I was I was loving the uh, the interactions that they're that they're interacting with the chat and the audience uh, to a really good degree. I'm I'm, I'm giving him full props on that because uh, I remember at one point he was talking like, oh yeah, like I got this i want to paint this at some point and he was talking about older stuff and he's like i kind of want to paint these at some point i'd like to do this and i just wrote in the chat i was like cad bane oh my god i didn't even like write that much i was just like you should paint cad and he like looked at it and he was just like yo cad bane yes absolutely and everyone was just like cad bane yeah so like i just had fun with that just like with how much he was just like oh yeah absolutely yes so, that was fun. They're doing great. Anyway, moving on. Legion Academy. Uh, they're doing live streams right after them, around about 9 o'clock or so on Wednesday nights. You should check them out on their YouTube channel, just Legion Academy. You'll find it right away. They do awesome stuff. They've got a Patreon going as well. Uh, you can you can subscribe to their uh, different tiers, and any tier, you're going to be part of their new uh, di- Patreon Discord that they started where you can... Uh, interact with a little bit behind the scenes. You know, you can post your lists and get them talked about on the show. They started doing that. Uh, they they do like acrylic tokens every every month or every other month if if they don't get to it every month for their uh, mid and upper tiers. And can confirm those things are sweet in person. And hopefully they're opening those up on the shop soon. Is what I hear. 
They're they're even doing a they're even doing a lot of contests for exclusive Luke's, so be sure to check them out. I know some of them are like restricted to, you know, some some they're doing North America, some they're doing Canada, some are doing Europe. So I mean, like wherever you are, there's a good chance that there's a contest out there for you. Hopefully, that I think I think that's a good a uh, good little segue into our own contest, though, Paul. As you know, Dice Time has been doing its own giveaway. We're about to give away an exclusive Luke. Well, we're we're about to right now. Yeah, I wish I would have signed up for it. Oh, that's okay. I'm sure we'll do more <laughs> in the future. Well, that's okay. Uh, I, get the to... joy, I get the joy of seeing you every month, so I'll take that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, all you had to do to enter this giveaway was basically jump onto our, uh, jump onto our latest YouTube bad rep that was on the Legion Academy's channel. We did Extract the Droids. I played Sabine. And I did a sick explosions play that bombed a whole bunch of troopers. It was awesome. And I and I classically I had to turn away. And Josh was like, "Dude, what what are you doing? Why why aren't you facing the game?" And I was like, "Oh, well, I can't look. Uh, cool guys can't look at explosions." <laughs> and it was great. It was a great little moment. All you had to do was jump in the comments and just write, "Cool guys don't look at explosions," and you were in. Oh, Sean, also Sean Morris from Legion Academy, graciously extended our our, our North America exclusive company out into it was just U.S. but now it's also Canada, and he and he made a Legion Academy YouTube or Facebook post that said if you wrote "Cool guys look at explosions" on that post as well, you were also entered. So I got every single one of you. I tried to make sure I hit like on every comment so that you guys knew that you were entered. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pull this name right now. Paul, hold this box while I pull this while I pull this name out. Alright. Is this paper? Oh. You don't you don't know? This is this is ancient paper. The the, the the ancient Jedi used to used to write on this before before they had data pads. Anyway. I, I, I used this ancient relic paper to just scribble notes and names on so we could do this. So alright, here we go. Whoop. And the winner of our first Dice Time Ever contest and winner of exclusive Luke, Matthew Mahaney. I hope I didn't say that wrong. Matthew, congratulations. You're Dice Time's first ever contest winner. Matthew, Matthew, Matthew. Winner, winner, winner. Bunch of explosions and sound effects that you can't look at. Congratulations, Matthew. Go ahead and drop me a line on... uh, YouTube or Facebook, preferably, but, uh, you know, just, just, just hit me up or I'll, I'll get your message and we'll coordinate it out and we'll, we'll ship Luke to you. If, if Matthew, you're not able to hear this or you don't, you, you don't, I'm going to give you the whole month of March. Yeah, I'm going to give you the whole month of March to, to, to catch up to me right now and, uh, drop me or Bob a line and we will, we will get in touch and we'll shoot, and we'll shoot Luke to you. But, um, if you don't, I'm just gonna presume that like something happened, and you know, if I don't hear from you in all of March, we're gonna do this drawing again in April. But I'm, I bet you're, I bet you're a loyal fan, a loyal listener, and you're ready to get your Luke. So congratulations, Matthew. Good job. Definitely, I think you gotta show a picture once you get it all assembled and painted up and ready oh, to go on the table. Please, because we might be sending you a little a little bribe as well, a little 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 dice time gift as well with the, with your package, just in case you uh if you could if you could if you could get it all nice and nice little photo posted when when you get up to the Facebook and just remember to 
Thank you, Dice Time, for shipping it out to you. And yeah, we will, uh, we'd love that. All right. Well, that aside, Paul, I believe it's time to roll into today's main course. We've brought you on specifically because Bob was gone, but also because this topic <laughs> applies to you greatly, I feel. You and, you and I run a specific kind of, we, we like to identify as the classy Legion players that we're too, we're too good for the meta. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that, but. I think it's I mean, been referred to as hipster, right? It, it is, but if we want to identify it as something else, because hipsters don't like to be called hipsters, because that's too mainstream of a term, I would like to jump a, a, a step further and say that we like to identify as unpredictable. I like that. So I'd like to think that we are unpredictable players, which means we like to... We, we, we like to surprise you with not, not like, not like a gotcha moment, like with like rules or anything, but like, we like to surprise you with the unexpected. A certain choice, or a play, or a list, or a, a unit, or just anything that, that, just to, just to wobble you off your comfortable platform. Yeah, oh, absolutely, for sure. So if you're somebody who would like to, or who who would like to, or who already does this kind of thing, or or maybe you're looking to beat that guy, who who who's like Paul, you can already beat me, so don't worry about that. But maybe you're looking to beat that unpredictable guy in your in your in your local group. Let's walk you through the mindset that one goes into when you're doing this. So Paul, I'd like to say there are several different ways that you could be considered unpredictable. I, I'm, we can start out in what I think might be the smallest iteration here, which might be that you just bring a unit, maybe that like that that nobody's not that nobody really is bringing right now. The biggest being you could bring an entire list of things that people are not that people aren't seeing right now on the table. You can play a combination of like that list with maybe an objective that people aren't doing, and there's you know specific timing of of actions that you do with them that aren't normal. I will say as a caveat, I, I do want to point out you can't just you can't just do any old thing that's wild and expect that to work. There's there's a difference between doing something unexpected and just doing something random and suboptimal. You have to really understand what you're doing and why you're doing it. You got to rationalize like why you're doing something different. You can't just say I I bet my opponent wouldn't expect me to run in the open and then fish for crits cuz that's not that's not what your your, your opponent isn't going to expect that but it's also not like the big brain play just because they didn't plan for it. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a there's definitely a, a line there to not cross and get reckless. <laughs> but Yeah, like yeah. Reckless versus planned. Right. It's almost that, like, controlled chaos theory. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We'll get, we'll get, uh, Jeff Goldblum in on here. <laughs> to explain it. <laughs> there you go. That only would cost a pretty penny, but, you know. <laughs> oh, man, we'll just, we'll just tell him. Hey, we'll, we'll find a way. Yeah, no, I we'll think, um, I think you and I both, um, like to do that in list building. And for, I, I think there's different reasons behind it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you go into it because really you just want to have a good time. And oh, so you're going to bring something a little new, something that people don't see very often. 
Um, and then there's other times, like we're talking about being unpredictable and the effect that it has on your opponent. Right. Um, to sit down across a table from someone and look at a unit, you know, you brought a unit that they haven't seen on the table in months or, you know, or ever. people are, or ever, yeah, because people are saying that it's not, it's not good, it's not worth the points or whatever. Um, but all of a sudden they're like, well, what do I do against that unit? Do I right. leave it alone? Do I need to plan around it? And so right away they're already thinking about something else other than the typical things you would think about at the beginning of a game. So, and there are ways that you can play with it. Like, are you are you bringing it for a combo or like a gimmick or something that you've practiced or that you know? Is it your is it something your opponent knows that you're gonna that you're gonna show them that do they already know about it or do they not know about it? But there, like, there's merit to playing things that your opponent hasn't seen before or seen a lot because, like, yeah, like we were saying earlier, and I think I think Sean likes to put it this way: uh, they start on their back foot, like because you now have more information on what's happening or what can happen than they do. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was um, kind of the discussion. Um, what? Well, it's been like a couple of years ago now. Um, <laughs> When I, or, or, you know, a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah. Everything's so weird with the pandemic, but I know, um, yeah. a, a couple of years ago, I brought a rebel list to Muncie to their, their, I think it was prime championship at that point. Um, yep. and it had three rebel ATRTs in it. And that was not something that you were typically seeing on the table. Um, and to go along with that, I had, a bunch of, I want to say three, um, astromechs as well on the mm-hmm. table with those RTs. And so right away, my opponents, like you said, were, were on their back foot thinking, okay, do I kill the RTs because they are going to do a lot of damage or do I just ignore them and kill the troopers because there's astromechs there to heal them? Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was very interesting to see, you know, my opponents deal with that, you know, on a game to game basis, um, and try to decide whether they're going to try to cut through something with armor. Cause at that time there were not a lot of people bringing anti armor anything no. at that yeah. point. <laughs> and so obviously that list would probably not hold up super well, um, anymore. <laughs> Because there's a meta, yeah, because yeah. there's a lot of anti-armor meta, like you know, a tank would shred those RTs. Um, Critical is the keyword now. Yeah, so there's a lot of different things going on there, but um, back then it was definitely something that was interesting. And then the you know the conversation came to be, well, are are they good right now? Because back then that was the meta was having these gun lines. It was just a bunch of troopers, and so that was back in the triple sniper. Meta. Yeah, absolutely. And so that was yeah, one that, thing. And that was it. <laughs> yeah, you brought triple snipers, or you were bad. And that was me. I was bad. <laughs> I brought triple RTs instead of triple snipers. So. You were so bad, you won. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, well, yeah. And, but that's part of being unpredictable, too, right? Um, yeah. Is everybody says this is how you build a list. This is what you start with. This is what your list needs in it, or it's not going to be very effective. And going into that and saying, you know what? I'm going to try something different. I'm going to try to make my list work around this or, you know, around a certain 
other type of unit, like mine was ATRTs instead of the snipers. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some people do that with certain heroes. Like, I'm going to make the focal point this hero that is typically not always used, maybe, and really make them sing because of what I'm putting around them. But then it makes your opponent really think, oh, man, how do I... How do I adjust to this kind of strategy or game plan that my opponent's bringing here? And I and I think speaking to heroes specifically, I think that that's what I kind of bring when I set up across somebody and I have ladies' night. It's not like it's not a huge like whoa what is but like you know like I hear it almost all the time. It's just like. Leia, Jin, and Sabine. Like they just like they're just like analyzing it already. They they're just like I've I've never seen them all three on the table before, and it's like oh what if so? It's not it, it, I don't have like the crazy gimmick combo. I mean I've got some good combos I like to do in it, but it's not like some crazy some crazy under underground tech that I'm like shocking my opponent with. But they already are kind of like. I've not seen them those three in one list before, so I don't know where I should prioritize. But like you know, it kind of becomes more apparent as you play on. But I would I would almost think more uh, that a better example of a list that I play that would be speaking more to a bigger like okay, I don't know where to I don't know where to start with this one is the uh, is my is my favorite skirmish list the Tantive Four team with the. Uh, Leia, R two, three PO, and then four units of fully kitted fleet troopers. Like yeah, that's, that's a yeah. that's a list that I've set across from, and the first thought is that is a lot of firepower if it gets <laughs> close enough. That's a lot of shots. Yeah, you get up to me in one move on the skirmish table. Yeah, so you definitely have to be careful. Like for me, when I played against you, um, and so I was usually that day deploying up close and personal too, because. I had a list that also wanted to get in there and do some some work, and because uh, I had Luke in my list that day, yeah. And against you, I did not. I kind of yeah. stayed back <laughs> and was like, "Yeah, I don't want to get too close to these fleets." Um, so right there, you threw me off of what I wanted to do in my games, which was to get in there, get Luke in there early, and make him do a bunch of work. And instead, you made me be a little more cautious with my my list. So just right there with the list itself. And then I think there's different ways of doing it. Like you talked about, that could also be something you do during the game. That's being unpredictable. And, you know, maybe it's a, a very obvious time to play a certain card and you go another route because you know, your opponent's planning for that. Right. And then all of a sudden you do something completely different which then throws off kind of their whole turn because they were planning around you doing, you know, a a sweet Sabine explosions play, and then all of a sudden you didn't do it, and they were ready to kind of counter Sabine. Well, now they're in kind of an off position because that's not what you did to start. Right. This is exactly where I was, like, saying earlier, like, the caveat of, like, you have to really be careful that you're not just making a play that's different for the sake of being different, that it's being different for the sake of throwing your opponent off and it serves that purpose well. Because you can't just say, oh, they're expecting me to do explosions this turn or they're expecting me to do Son of Skywalker this turn, so instead I'm going to play my... uh, I'm going to play Assault or something like that. You can't just... uh, Unless it's serving the purpose of, like, really throwing them off, 
but it's not going to do that if it's just suboptimal. If it's just suboptimal, you're just kind of you're kind of throwing it without intent without intentionally throwing it. And it won't always be apparent, but sometimes you it's it's a skill that you need to pick up on like when is my opponent expecting me to do this and is there a second route that I can take that will that will throw them off that'll basically you don't want to I'm trying to think of a better way to put this. Like, if your opponent throws a right hook, you're looking to do the dodge and left hook that they're not expecting. Like, they're they're expecting you to dodge, like, to dodge their punch, but you need to be dodging and then throwing a punch that they don't, like, a counter punch that they're not expecting. Like, it, it it's, it's a skill to kind of pick up when when is the right time to do that because like timing can be key like during a game like like you said it, you you pretty much have to start that process by knowing that your opponent has a plan just like you do and and you have to analyze your opponent and say what are you what are they doing this turn based on what i've seen so far and then after you kind of figure that out you got to ask yourself like what are they expecting that i'm going to do in response to that and then after that, you decide, is there a way I can stop what my opponent's doing in a way that isn't what they're thinking I'm going to do? Or you can ask, if not that, you can ask, is there something that could happen that my opponent doesn't expect, and how do I act on that? Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of different ways to do it, for sure. I think one of the things that I think about when I'm personally playing like this, which is honestly is kind of my typical way of playing. I never... It's just baked in. Yeah, (laughs) just different, all different games that I've played. Um, I used to play the um, Star Wars Destiny FFG game, the cards and dice, Uh um, and I was the same way there, too. Um, Don't give me the decks that everybody else is playing. Give me... Give me a deck that's decent against those because it it does some things a little differently. Because when you have like a, a meta, as people you know call it, and it goes around in different areas and, or whatever, people are prepared for all of those normal lists that everybody's talking about is really right. good. Like, and, and people who are going to major tournaments, guess what they're practicing against? They're practicing exactly. against those lists. Or yep. those decks, or whatever it is, or whatever game you're in. And so me, I always try to look for something that's outside of that, but yet still in the realm of being competitive. You know, it's not going to be, yeah. like you said, where you're just going to sit across the table from your opponent. Your opponent's going to laugh at you and be like, well, this is going to be an easy game. You know, I want them to have to really consider what's going on here on the other side of the table. And really, to me... Even if I lose a game, but my opponent's walking away being like, wow, that, that unit or that, that tactic that you used, I've never mm-hmm. seen that before. Or man, it, it, it worked. Like it really did a number on my army or whatever. Like mm-hmm. that's what I want is I want someone to come up, come away thinking, wow, that was really interesting or that was a really you know, cool way of doing that. And I, I want to think about how to change up what I'm doing to get those kinds of interesting moves in there. 
Um, right. You know what I mean? So, like, get people talking, get people thinking, because sometimes metas can get really stale, and that's one of the reasons why back then I brought the RTs is because, to me, that was such a stale meta of just all the snipers and gun lines and... In the first tournament I went to, I made a giant mistake and went away from my RTs that I, you know, normally was running and tried to do what everybody else was doing. And it turned out awful. Like, it just, I wasn't beating the people who were constantly playing those lists because they had practiced those. They were, you know, they knew what was going on there and I was playing something out of my comfort zone. So even if, even if it's something that people are saying is not the greatest, um, if you're good with it, uh, you can make it work for sure. I know, you know, early on the bark speeders were not considered a very good unit and they were a little expensive for what they were. Um, but I got really used to flying them with their compulsory move and I was able to do a lot of interesting things because of that compulsory move, um, that won me games. And so, Find something that you like, Fleet Troopers. You know, stick one in a list. Um, Ryan Slowoski is uh, from the Stabcast is another guy that um, I've I've played a, a couple times or been at a few at least a few events with him. And it seems like almost always when we're talking about list building or he's at an event and I'm playing him or whatever it might be, um, he always has that unit of Fleet Troopers in there. It's that one unit that he really likes to run. And he always finds a way to make them useful, even if it's just something to keep your opponent's mind focused on. That's not the rest of your army. Because you can't ignore it. You can't ignore a unit of fleet troopers with a scatter gun. It's just, it can be devastating if they walk oh, yeah. out and shoot you. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that's the kind of stuff and- that I look forward, you know, to when I'm building my list is really coming up with some interesting things to make people say, huh. I didn't think about that, or all of a sudden they're in a position on the field where they're like, I can't ignore this thing, and now I have to divert some attention to it, otherwise it could be really bad. Yeah, exactly. To uh, to briefly go back to the, you were talking about the stale meta, and you brought the ATRTs, and you were like, oh, I, and then you did one tournament where like you went away from that and tried to run what everyone else was running. I did that exact thing at the tournament you brought, at the prime that you brought the triple ATRTs to. And, you know, we, we played, you and I played game three. And, uh, I remember that, I remember that day, you know, vividly at first and then a little fuzzy because I got dehydrated. I'm, I'm sure you remember that. Yeah. We had a fun <laughs> time. <laughs> we, we had a, we had a good time, but it was mostly because like I was 0 and 2. No, I was 1 and 1 going into that game. Cause I think I won my first game, lost my second one, and I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. And then, like, I started getting dehydrated real bad, and, like, round two or something into our game, like, Paul's already wiping the floor with me, and he's just like, do you need water or something? And I was just like, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I, my head doesn't feel good. And he's like, here you go. He got me a water, and I was just like, oh, cool. And I was like, that was the first time Paul and I, like, actually met, I think, was that, was that prime. I was and, and I was doing what I don't normally do, and I went out and I just basically, I think the term is net listing, where you basically just pull like what something off the internet, and you're just like, yeah, this sounds good in theory. I bet I can do that, and then you run it. And yeah. if you I, and like you can do that, but you need to practice. I may I maybe ran yes. a game with that before that night, 
or before that day, and I, like, the night before, uh, two nights or something, and I went, yeah, like, I, I played a little bit of Luke. I, I ran Flyboys in that, in that tournament, which was Han and Luke. But that's not a list you've heard in a long time. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and that was, cause that was a competitive list that was going around at that point. And so I was like, I played a lot of Han. I'm like, I, I bet I could do Han Luke. I've played Luke before. You know, I bought the core set. I've been playing since the game came out. Uh, so I was just like, sure. I, I ran and I put it together and I ran against, Boy, I remember that, that, I think that first game was the one that was like the craziest one for me, cause it, well, aside from ours, but like it was like fleets and Wookiees in there, and like Luke is going ham on all of them, and Luke held his own with some great dice rolls and just chopped everything to bits. I was like, man, that's never gonna happen again. But it came down to like the final turn, and I ended up pulling that game just barely. And I was like, yeah, I can do this. Yeah, this list is good. Look at that. And then I proceeded to lose my next two games because I didn't know what I was doing and I hadn't played those units that much. So, lesson learned. Uh, but it, it it does go to show, it, it wasn't the total point of our topic, but it does go to show, play what you want and play what you know and don't play just whatever's running in the meta right now. But, well, I mean, you can, but just practice. Practice whatever you're going to play. Uh, because you can, you, you absolutely can take something that's unexpected and not in the top tier meta, and you can make it work if you practice with it enough and you know the ins and outs of it, what it can do, what it can't do, what it should do, and what it shouldn't do. Once you get all that, you you can really go far with it. You can go all the way with it as well, because you're going to have moments where you know what that unit can do, and your opponent maybe hasn't seen it as much or maybe doesn't play against it as much because it's not in the top list right now. They didn't practice against it when they practiced 100 games before this event, or this, or even this local, like whatever it is. And then you're gonna have more information in that, and you're gonna have the advantage in that, in those little scenarios where that happens. If I, I, I was explaining this to, to, to Trista when I was talking about this, like, topic, and I was talking about, like, what you and I do, it's like, if, if the meta lists right now are A, B, and C, Paul and I go out of our way to find what list G is. Cause like, we don't, we don't go like the next step down, the next, we want like the next six steps down. That's what we want to play because we want you to be surprised, we, we, we want you to be on that back foot just seeing the list or seeing that thing that you've never seen before. Uh, because that's, that's, that's kind of where, it's kind of where we come from. Yeah, I definitely like to, I like to have that, that shock factor when I play something or do Shocking something all. interesting. Yeah, definitely. One thing that I've been towing yep. with on my end that is for me that new um you know, so this is a super hot take for all of your listeners. So Okay, get ready. You know, hey, keep it on the Pat keep it on the keep it on the down low, guys. Don't, Pat and don't, and don't my, tell anyone. Yeah, don't <laughs> tell anybody else. Um I've been thinking a lot about at least in my meta area here. Um uh-huh. Seen a lot of droid players, seen a lot of vehicles. And so I've been toying with this idea of what if we bring Ion into this game and actually use it. Because uh-huh. Rebel, Rebel Troopers, um, and their Ion gun, it's only 58 points for a unit for the Ion gun and a basic Rebel Trooper squad. It's mm-hmm. not it's not that expensive to have a little bit of tech. I mean, I've heard people talking about um, 
you know, the B2s with the new um, commander pack that's coming out and being able to shoot at range three with a good dice pool. Um, you know, they lose AI attack and it's got a blast, I think. Not, yeah, blast, right? Yeah. Uh, ignoring cover, like good dice pool, but they have to recover and shoot every turn. Well, guess what they can't do if they have one eye on token? They can't recover and shoot. So, you know, what happens, you know, when you have a, a tank that likes to roll up on key positions? Well, w- what can it do if it has ion tokens on it? It either has to choose, move or shoot. Do you want to kill my stuff or do you want to move towards that objective? You know, so, um and, and it's not going to be great all the time, but man, when that is, when you sit down across the table for someone who has a vehicle and you have three ion guns on your in your list... They're going to be like, man, what am I going to do to stay away from that ion? They're going to be uh-huh. nervous about it. So, um, and I think there's some ways to build it. I think I, I've toyed with the idea of having um, the specialist, the rebel specialist. And with that unit, since you have to recover and shoot with that unit as well, um, they automatically get a dodge token with that specialist every turn. So you're you're not really losing action economy because you're getting a dodge and a shot. You know, every turn, which is two actions and, if you were to take yeah, them. Yeah, you're, you're pretty much gaining the efficiency of that recover that you're taking. Right. So, and, yeah, yeah. And, and I've even thought about, too, I don't know how many people have considered this, but what if you throw, you know, droid poppers on a unit that already has an ion gun? Yep. And then all of a sudden when, the, when those stap riders come zooming around your flank and shoot at you, well, guess what? All you got to do is get one wound in on them. And they have two ion tokens from this from one unit, and are doing <laughs> nothing next turn, but just their compulsory move. So, you know, there's a, there's some stuff in there that's very interesting. You know, an opponent's not going to be able to ignore one unit that can throw two ion tokens in one attack. You know, even if you only have impact one on their tank, are they really going to risk that fifty fifty chance that their tank does nothing for a whole turn from a what? 61 point unit like no they're, they're gonna have to do something about it you know what i mean that's the that's the right. whole point of this is you know making them do something different than they would normally do because normally a tank player is not going to look at your you know 60 point trooper unit and be like that's definitely my priority target right there <laughs> so oh i've got one last example that i wanted to give here but it was uh like on on timing and stuff because like like analyzing when you're like when to when to strike on the right moment because we were talking about that a minute ago. I wanted to point out or I wanted to just give a short little example for like what that looks like. Um, in I did the the last the last big tournament we had at Atomic, uh, the last championship tournament thing, whatever you want to call it, was uh I brought Ladies Night and in my game three I had a really I, I thought this was maybe one of my best examples of like how to telegraph or like how to explain and show um, taking like stepping on the opportunity, finding the opportunity and taking that step toward like doing doing an action and, and finding the right timing. Uh, because, you know, you can do a list, you can do a unit, you can do a combo, but sometimes there's opportunistic timing that you need to jump on. If you find if your opponent's doing it when you're looking at like the thing I went through earlier, when I'm like, look at their plan. What is their plan? Are they currently trying to stop you from doing something? 
and is there anything, is there a flaw or is there a misstep that they took somewhere and how can I capitalize on it? So an example I'd like to give is game three of this tournament that I'm doing. I'm playing, uh, uh, against a Luke Sabine list and I'm playing with Ladies Night and their Luke is dead. I think their Sabine might even be dead by this point. This is like turn six key positions. So we have one on the center and we have two pieces of terrain. My opponent's been back capping with one single like strike team this entire time or like this naked unit of rebels, like something this entire game. And it's got two models in it at this point. It was either a strike team and it had two models originally or it was a or it was like a four man unit that had been whittled down to two from random pot shots or something like that. But they're sitting there that entire game, and I'm like, okay, cool. I'm I'm capping mine the entire game, and the center's been up for debate the entire time. And it's starting to look like it might turn out in my favor, or it's starting to look like we might tie on it, depending on how some dice shake out. So I'm thinking, okay, if we if he takes that one and I take this one, and all my heroes are on like the center, like Leia, Jin, and Sabine are all on the center right now. It was a it was a crazy fight. And I'm looking and I go, you know, Sabine moves down. She was up on, like, this high elevation. Sabine moves down here. She could do a single speed three move from the center and get an open, no-cover shot range two on that team that's back-capping because they're just sitting there back-capping. He's not really, like, looking at what they're doing. And I that move can also get her close enough to count and capture that, well, either I capture that objective, or just to deny him that objective. And I think, that's a move I can do, but if I do that, Sabine's going to be in the open, and she doesn't have many wounds left, so she can take, so so if if I do that, his counter to that is going to be to shoot Sabine, because she's going to be in the open. So I have to, so I go, okay, I can't do this too early, Otherwise, I'm going to get a bunch of retaliation fire. Sabine's going to die, and he might win on points or something, like, depending on how the score shakes out. So I go, okay, let's wait. I have to wait on this. Sabine has to go last or next to last to do this. So so th- it's it's that kind of thinking that you need to walk through. And, and, and obviously, that's what happened. Like, we did a whole bunch of firing back and forth on everything. And then last activation, I moved Sabine over took the out-of-cover shot and killed and wiped that unit and denied that KP. I think it. I think I ended up winning on KP points rather than going to points destroyed, and that was definitely part of it. So it's like, that's the kind of thought process that you need to be going through when those moments happen. You need to look and see what's going on on the board, where's the objective being played, Where where's the winning, where's the, like, victory points going to come through, and then, I mean, that's like one layer to look at, but the other layer is like, what is my opponent planning? What are they currently trying to do? And have they made, have they left a hole in their plan that I can capitalize on? So like, that's something that's just, that's, that's my example of like what that can look like in a real world example. Yeah, there, there's definitely some interesting things. I like, that's a good point. I think Sabine is one of those that is interesting because I have a story, uh, uh, a short story about how I yeah. did that. I mean, essentially, the very short story is that um, my Sabine got worked pretty early in a game and was down to one wound, and I was playing against a Bubba Fett, and that was the bounty target. So instead of allowing that to happen, I actually 
used Sabine's explosions um, and killed herself with the explosions <laughs> to deny that bounty, you know, getting yep. over there. Um, cause she was gonna die anyway, but, you know, denying my opponent that victory point was actually, you know, worth it. Cause at the end, it came down to a very tight game. And if he would have gotten an extra point, he would have won. So. There's there's interesting things you can do like that that again unpredictable you know no one no one thinks you don't that you're gonna to kill yourself yeah, yeah. you're gonna kill your own <laughs> unit <laughs> um, especially when you know she could have done something else I mean she probably could have done uh, a, another you know maybe turn after that of getting doing something else but at that time I wasn't gonna risk that bounty you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. that for my opponent that was probably one of those unpredictable moments that was not thinking that i was going to sacrifice my sabine you know when i did to the bombs just to deny that that i was just thinking about i was just thinking i was like i was just thinking man sabine is coming up as like one of our unit do we just play sabine a lot or is she just like a really good unit for like wild plays or something and then i thought well, breaking it down, I think she has two core fundamental parts that are, like, good for, like, making wild plays, which are, like, saboteurs, like, with their with their bombs they can drop, or just, like, they, they can make for some really cool, interesting tech and interesting plays just based on, like, their bombs and, like, when you detonate and who detonates and that kind of thing. There's, like, a lot of cool stuff you can do with that and last firsting with them, and all sorts of stuff. And then really fast units. Like, fast units are also really good for coming up with a wild play for doing something. Like, I remember when the land speeder first came out, I was running it, and I put it on, like, the left side of the board on, like, a battle lines board, and my opponent set up a lot of stuff on the left side to deal with it, like, all their anti-armor and all their stuff on the left side. And then turn one, my first thing is I start bolting it for the right side of the board where they didn't put any of the stuff that they were prepared to face the land speeder with. Like he thought I was going to come down the left side down an open lane and just like, I don't know, get shot to ribbons. But instead I was just like, okay, I was going to go this way, but opportunity says that I should go that way because I have a better chance of living. And there's some targets that he's not expecting the land speeder to shoot at. So I, I, just hard bank to the right and move that way. Force users, I think, might be one of the biggest uh, contributors to wild plays because of things like force push and force choke and their command cards that allow them to do crazy things. Yeah, and jump. Like, a lot of them have and jump. And jump, yes. Units that can jump or scale. Yeah, I think a lot of, a lot of units that have mobility can come up like you said Sabine's a really good one I've done some interesting stuff with Boba before that speed three movement you know with jump is really good um I've also done it with uh lots of compulsory vehicles is really interesting um one game that I played um when I when Barks first came out you know when the core units first came out and um I played in a tournament that I was running triple barks. One of my opponents had a box grab on a, like a naked trooper unit all the way across the map. And about halfway through the game, we were kind of stuck in this battle over, you know, the middle of the battlefield. And 
he he really thought that I was going to take this bark and continue to like rain fire down on the middle of this battlefield. And instead, all I did, I took a triple move all the way across the battlefield and yep. ended up on the next turn wiping his unit that had the box. And then no one was over there to grab it. He didn't have anybody and I didn't have anybody. So it just denied <laughs> a point, you know, off yep. there. And then the bark with his maneuverability was able to get back into the fight a turn after. And so, yeah, I think a lot of those ones that have the maneuverability that or the potential speed of like repulsors, um, that kind of stuff can definitely lend themselves a little bit easier to those unpredictable plays or just giving you options to do them if you if you so wish. Yeah, and like one of the things I do with Sabine is I try to make I try to make explosions like a big surprise, but it's it's not I don't I don't feel like I do that great a job, but uh like basically what I do is I give Sabine an order turn one and then I and then I hold her for absolute last and I I mean this is this kind of sounds like the default way to play explosions, but I always try to make like explosions my turn two. Like, I, I, like, I, I don't want to wait until, like, turn three or turn four. I want to, like, bomb everybody as fast, like, do the best optimal bomb I can round two and then start playing defense. And so it's like, I, I wait turn one, she sits with an order, very last play. Sometimes people are like, oh yeah, you still have Sabine. Because, like, I haven't gone with my hero yet. And my fast lightsaber wielding hero yet. And, so, like, I go through everybody, and then they go through everybody. They start setting up their gun line, or they start setting up their defensive positions out of deployment, whatever. They start balling up, and then she double moves. Like, I don't care what it is. Like, I don't, I don't care, like, what else is there. I double move. And then turn one, if I have to do a third move to do that explosions, I, and then get caught in the blast or dive around a corner, I will. But I, but I usually double move with her just to get her all the way up the middle or the, around the side of the battlefield, wherever my opponent's got the most optimal explosion, and then bam, explosions turn two. So I can go first and then hide and cover if I can, and then she's safe and the bombs went off, and yeah, it's, it's, it's like moving like crazy amounts across the board is also a big like thing you can do to, to, to like throw people off is like that, yeah, like that mobility, like what you were saying. Um, yeah, it's just one of those things that speed three is not a very common thing on units in the game right now. And yeah. so if you're not used to playing against them, you know, like um, even like Mandos right now, I don't see a whole lot of Mandos on the table. However, yeah. if someone put one out there and then all of a sudden double moved on me in a turn, I'd be like, oh, dang, like I wasn't ready for that. Now I have to answer oh. to those Mandos. That's what I was going to say was you, in your in your story in both our stories actually we both told a story on this. This is an this is a place where you can look and see where your opponent might have a might have a hole in their plan. Did they play a unit that they think is safe? And can I get them to not be safe? Can I get them before they have a chance to realize that they're not safe? That's a, uh, that's a common flaw you can see. Yeah, definitely. And even if that means like their next turn, instead of going first with, you know, one of their big heroes and making a big play, instead they have to use their initiative or maybe try to play a one-pip so that way they get their, like, one of their special forces units out of harm's way because of the way you postured with a unit. 
and then you could just go do something else with that unit. That's the kind of unpredictable nature that really can come into and, and you know, be used as an advantage for you. Exactly. Yeah, so even if you don't, like, wipe out that box carrier in that one shot that you that you surprise them with, it can still continue because now they have to decide, are they going to go with their heroes or their, their main pieces that are in combat or that need those orders normally, or are now they going to put the orders on those safe, those quote unquote safe units so that they can get them to be safe again. And then if they do that, now you have the upper advantage in where they normally would have put their orders in that, in that upfront fight. So now you can hammer the gap on that. And if they don't, then they're going to lose that safe unit. You know, you've kind of created a, a small lose, lose scenario there. And that's just because you did one unexpected play of putting that, making that safe unit unsafe. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Paul, anything else we, uh, I think that was a good, I think that was a good, uh, summary there. Basically you, you analyze your opponent. Well, if you're, if you're doing it in the moment, you analyze your opponent, you look at their plan, you see if there's a spot in their plan that they missed and see if you can capitalize on it in an optimal way. Or, you know, if you just want to bring a list or something that's, that you like or that you have a cool combo that you like to do that maybe not people are seeing right now, like, like Ion 2 Rebel Troopers, like nobody's, that, you can't tell me you've seen that. If you've seen that, please, please let me know. I want to know where your local meta is playing. But, if you if there's like a combo or a list that you really like that's not being played right now and you practice it a whole bunch like you can get that you can get a small little competitive edge on some people because they're not practicing against that so you know we we're we're talking in circles at this point but i was just trying to summarize like all of our thoughts really quickly but being an being an unpredictable player or making unpredictable choices isn't just the random isn't isn't just being random it's it's the ambush, it's the shock and awe, it's the it's the rogue you didn't see in the shadows who, who backstabs you suddenly because you weren't expecting it. Yeah, and I think that goes for, I mean, it goes the other way too, to give some advice to, uh, you know, players who like to play the metal list because maybe you're just not a list builder. I love just sitting around and just building all kinds of lists and seeing what I can mess with. Um, but maybe that's not you. Maybe you get a, you know, a meta list online because you're not comfortable building your own list and working out those combos and all of that. So keep that in mind when you sit down across from an opponent that has something that you might consider odd and think, what can they do with this? And how, how could they use this? And how can I be prepared for it so that way they don't catch me off guard? Exactly. Well, Paul, I think that uh, I think that wraps up our our unpredictable topic, and I think that's also going to wrap up our show today. Uh, did you did you did you wire me any credits? Or come on, what are, what are we getting for these pelts here? Um, I think you need to pay me for this one with the holes in it. What but, you just uh, said you were keeping it? Yeah, for my private collection. I'm going to have to do a lot of work for it. I'm not going to be able to sell this. It's got holes in it. What about the other ones? <laughs> well, well. We'll make we'll make some arrangements. I'm not I'm not after last time. I'm not walking away from this without credits in hand. <laughs> All right, here you can have this. What is this? This looks like this looks like half the payment. Well, and the other half you'll get when you get back to your ship. Ah, uh, you tricky tricky smuggler. 
All right, fine. I better see it when I get back to the ship. <laughs> Paul, it's been an honor. I love having you on, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You know, if you come on again, you're probably just going to have to become an official Dice Time host at that point. <laughs> well, if if Bob keeps not reading signs and getting attacked by <laughs> random space creatures. Alrighty, Paul. Well, hope hope everybody had a Dice Time with us today. Uh, I'm Ben Jetrin. Hope you're going out and making today just that much better. I'm Paul. It's been good talking with you guys. Have a good one. See you next time.